Good morning, fellow Gunders. Welcome to another episode of Canada Talk. I'm your morning, right? Coast as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Last to discuss the Emirates Cup Community Shield, and you know, a week away from the Premier League season starting, probably literally a week away. I mean, the, the team sheet would probably be out almost about this time next week. Yeah, and I mean, like with regards to the, the you know the fixture of Arsenal, with this be the match against Monaco being the last warm up before the real business of the Community Shield and the Premier League season continues. Um, I thought uh, we we're going to be you know seeing a much more well-oiled machine, you know, going into the, the match. And especially under the watchful eyes of Arsene Wenger, who was guest of honour for this uh, unveiling of his statue, uh, being a VIP in the executive box, I thought, you know, the Arsenal would, uh, you know, put up a, uh, like a good showing, you know, like, you know, entertaining the former boss. Um, Arteta started with Ramsdale, Tomiyasu, Saliba, Kivio, Timber, and then in midfield party, Rice, Smith-Rowe, and up front, Vieira, and Ketia, and Martinelli, and... and I don't know how you felt about it, but I already thought <clears throat> the team would have been fine, like, almost like a bit finer tuned to more, say, thinking in the direction of Community Shield or the Forest. Yeah. I don't know how you, like, I, you... I, I also thought so. I mean, the fact that they're using Tim as a left back, um, you know, what is Arteta trying to do when you have, um, you know, the likes of Kieran Tierney, they had left back, which which you kind of would, would want him to get a feel for it, especially if if Zinchenko's not around there. I mean, I'm as just as 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 I'm, I'm, could be under correction, but as Tien started a game this preseason even um No you know, always come on as like a substitute, like either gets a, a full off or whatever. I mean he might have maybe started one game, but as I said, for most parts he's always come on like with like we get like a, a full forty five or, you know, like half an hour in the game. No, that's why I get what you're saying. Like, you know, what is the plan? You know, come Community Shield is Arteta going to play Timber, Tomiyasu and left back instead of um, Kieran Tierney, which, you know, will raise a lot of question marks for me. Look, obviously Tomiyasu at right back, you know, you, you understand that that move. Kivio, maybe they want to give an opportunity. Declan Rice and Thomas Party, I was excited for because I thought, you know, this to could possibly boss the midfield. But, you know, going ahead of that, you know, none of those guys besides Martinelli, you know, are my kind of, would be my starters in yeah. a, you know, in a big clash. I mean, you know, like what you, you know, mentioned with, with regards to that old defensive setup. Uh, look, I think you can see, um, like, what Arteta's plans. I mean, he's probably trying to see, you know, how it would be if you put, you know, you stick Timber in there or, or have him and Tommy Asu every now and then, you know, swap uh, fullback positions. But as I, as I told, like I'm going to tell you and the listeners now, I already thought these sort of planning and setups should have been done on the US store because yeah. they can, you know, iron out whatever because then you use, like say, Emirates Cup Community Shield to like, prime yourself ready for that. that yes. You know, nothing for us again. But for me, it was like too experimental again. And yeah. I mean, for me, <clears throat> you know, with, with the anticipation of the, the crowd going to this Emirates Cup game, because I mean, the, 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 it was very lively in that. But I mean, let's be honest, we look for, you know, a, a more prepared Arsenal squad. But Monaco actually looked more prepared. They, I mean, they came off also a couple of uh, preseason games. But I mean, they look like they're ready for their league uh, season. Or, so, and and for, for the majority of the game, like, as we now go through it, I mean, they look more like, you know, they're better prepared. They were slicker on the ball. And I mean, they looked actually, 
a joy to watch, even though they were their opponents. And and the thing is, for me, and I've been messing it to our team, private messages, you know, if you compare, and I'm, I'm not saying we must compare like for like, but last season, this time, I remember, you know, you were licking your lips, basically, for the season to start, because, you know, this team seemed like they had a structure, they had a plan, and and now the season just seems like that plan is not there yet, you know. If I had to ask you who's our starting eleven, I don't think we know 100% do it either. And like you said, you know, Monaco seemed more sure than we did. And I just feel like, you know, last season, Arteta was managing, you know, basically a group of players. But this season, is maybe managing a squad. Because, I mean, he has, like you said, like you say, we have a more of a bloated squad now in which, you know, there are talented players all over the pitch now. And he now kind of has to tinker with it to see what works. And, you know, when plan A doesn't work, what is plan B? When the, this player gets injured, what's plan C? So I, I just think, like you said, they should have been ironed out way before, you know, yeah. the Monaco game. And, the, and and you can see it in this game. You could see that bit of disjointedness. You know, Rice, like you said, seemed a bit, you know, not, not there yet. Yeah, it was, uh, look, let's, like, you know, call a spade a spade because I just think, you know, the way, look, people also slagged off Havertz in that, um, uh, the Man United game in the States because he looked like, you know, that sort of tempo was getting away from him. Conditioning was like, totally out of whack. And for me, yes, I know it was very early days because, I mean, this is like roughly the, to the second time he's turned out for us, Declan Rice. But, I mean, he was struggling because... I mean, I don't know how many times the camera was going on him, like in the first few minutes of the game. He was like biting his teeth and, and you know, holding his knees. And it's telling you that it's almost like he's being pushed to a sort of level that I don't think he was pushed at that West Ham. Or maybe it's like, you know, coming short of that, that uh, you know, that high from the uh, conference league that they won with West Ham. Then having an extended vacation. Then he was like immediately hopping into, almost like I said, the middle of Arsenal's pre-season training and then immediately set out into certain games. I, I just felt this game, maybe he could have been also been, say, jet-lagged or whatever, but, I mean, he looked pushed to the max. I honestly didn't think he was going to even make it for the, the 45 minutes. And and it's weird because Declan Rice, I mean, you know, I, I, I've i obviously watched him a lot when I watch England play. I watch him, you know, I want to I look out for him in West Ham games, but whenever West Ham maybe played a big game or West Ham played Arsenal, he seemed very confident and, you know, all over the place and seemed like a guy that could run for days. So, you know, you, I mentioned maybe it could be a bit of jet lag and also maybe that adrenaline also has been a you know, bit much, you know, wasn't this his first game at the Eminence also? So yeah. it could all be, you know, very much overwhelming because no disrespect to West Ham, but you know, playing for Arsenal and playing for West Ham is a, a different kettle of fish now. Yeah. Um, then uh, in, in the match now, 31st minute, Yusuf Fofana uh, is end up getting, you know, badly marked by Arsenal, and, and he ends up out jumping the, the defense, and he powers a top corner header, beating Ramsdale and Wano Monaco. No, oh, I, I don't expect it. Or I expected, especially you know when we said Arsene Wenger is going to be there in the crowd, you know, to to I think was it the revealing of his statue. I think yeah. that was Arsene Wenger esque defending at his end of his tenure at Arsenal. Yeah. Then for the third minute, Martinelli ends up hitting a deeper corner. The uh, Monaco defense would look very also like flat-footed defending the corner. And you know, since there was that bit of the lane, they marking 
educating of all people ends up darting in and with a free, you know, in, in, in open space, ends up easily unchallenged volleying the ball on 1-1. Yeah, he, he, he's a true fox in the box, you know. I mean, I'll give him that. He sometimes manages to 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 wriggle his way into places and get the end on the end of the ball, which you least expect. So, you know, I'm sure his confidence must be up a bit, and you know, we probably will get into it after this. But I mean, what does that mean for him? Like, you know, for Arsenal and you know, for the season. But I mean, look, we always on these cases. But I mean, what was funny? It's like. He does almost like like there with that goal. He almost did the same thing against Man United because, like, when we played at the Emirates, because one minute the defender's watching him, and by the next minute he's actually darted almost like from behind the guy. So he was like he loses track of the uh, like the, uh, the defender loses track of him, and by the time he pops up again, he's already ahead of the the defender. So he steals in and and then you know nicks the ball, and he actually did, did that uh, you know with with utmost. Clinical, you know, high school finish with that, that uh, equaliser. But I mean, much deserved goal because look, <clears throat> we must give him also props in this game. It wasn't also easy because I mean, look, you know, the, the sort of guys that he was coming up against in the centre of defence for Monaco, they're not, you know, short guys. And I mean, he was yeah. really having a scrap with, and I think that sort of also saved him from, you know, getting almost like early subbed or whatever because he was really causing a lot of issues with them with their back constant backing into them and and. Scrapping for the ball. Yeah, well, he, he, I think he, he has an opportunity again, and like I said, we probably get into it, but after the yeah. after another analysis of the game. Now, so the game ends up finishing one-one, and of course goes to penalties. When it came to the shootout, Odegaard, Jorginho, Havertz, Vieira, and Gabriel, you know, dispatched theirs. And with Monaco, they they buried four, but uh, Minamino ended up missing. I was actually surprised Ramsdale making one save in the shootout. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, up till then, he was just getting sent the wrong way. And I think, I recall Nigel Winterman saying he needs to just make himself way bigger because it's like, I mean, what I don't get is like, you know, I've been watching, like, look, I'm sure a lot of fans also have kind of fought over the way he, uh, you know, represents us in a, in a shootout. But it's like, he gives his game up way early because... Uh, if like I think the best view to get when you when you watch him in a shootout, watch when the camera angle comes from behind him. When the guy is taking the, the steps towards the ball, he's already taking that step left or right already. So he's giving his game, as I said, like you know, like earlier in my like, when I used to play football, you try to keep that almost like you know, uh, as I say, poker face or something like that, where you you keep your cards hidden until like the last moment. So you almost like you're forcing the the, the, the penalty taker to. You know, put him under pressure to choose his corner. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And, and I thought of you when I saw his save. I was thinking, you know, you probably were surprised by this because I mean, <laughs> if I think back to the Porto shootout, I'm the Porto Sporting Lisbon shootout. Like he was all over the place. You know, yeah. he couldn't make a save. So, you know, I guess a person. Uh, kind of looks at that and says, you know, something needs to be worked on. I mean, even the penalties that um, was we conceded last season, the ones that were missed were all wayward from the goal. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, one thing I must give props for before we, like, you know, like, of course, us with us winning the Emirates Cup, uh, that new technique that Jorginho had with his penalty, look, everybody knows the, that hop skip thing. Yeah. But do it like that and then find the top corner. I mean, that yeah. was unheard of, man. 
and it was top bands. I think if you can take yeah. penalties like that, I think it needs to be our uh, penalty taker yeah, yeah, yeah. for the for the for the season. Because I mean, Saka for me now, even in the um, preseason game, was it against we? You know, completely missed the target. Oh, Barcelona. So I don't know. Maybe if Jorginho's on, I know I asked you that previously, but I think maybe Jorginho should be the guy to take our penalties. Um, because I mean, he he seems to be quite assured, and that's new technique. I mean, if you put in the top corner like that, it's going to be very difficult for a keeper to know where you're going to go. I mean, one thing that also impressed me also also all preseason that when he does it 20, 25 yard that threaded passes. I mean, he's nailing his passes. I mean, I wish there was somebody out there that actually has a, a, a set on how accurate his passes are. Because I mean, that shows you what a big asset he could still be for us this season. I mean. I know most of us would first talk and come end of the season, like maybe, you know, you shift him out, you know, over the summer. But, I mean, he's actually showed, you know, more qualities than like, quite a few of the midfielders uh, during yeah. the season. Yeah, you can definitely use him. I mean, the guy's Premier League experience. I mean, he can slow a game down, you know, when, when the, you know, some other things are eating up. And I think you mentioned last season, that game against Liverpool, I mean, you could have brought him on at that, Maybe toward closer towards the end, and you could have just slowed that game down because that game was going out the sculptor. And I think you know, you, it's a player that you can use, not like you know, maybe Arsenal play, you know, set of fixtures. You can jam him in in a few of those games, and like if he performs well, you know, you can maybe play him with a Declan Rice even. It gives you a different dimension in the midfield. Yeah. So now, you know, to the dark cloud that was kind of lingering in the background was uh, this whole game. Um, just before kickoff, there were already rumours flying around that Gabriel had knee issues and like was going to miss the game. You know, it was like they're protecting him so he can play in the community shield. But then the more and more things are going on, like, you know, especially in halftime, more news comes out. And I mean, by the time the, the post-match uh, Emirates Cup press conference was done, uh, and Arteta was doing it. And then we actually heard by you know from Arteta's mouth that Jesus actually had a small knee operation the morning of that day because there was some sort of problem with the knee, and I think they took go in again and almost like do some cleaning out or whatever. Because I mean I, I have heard of it before, like we players they have operations and then it's almost like you know almost like fibers and stuff like that that's still in there that needs to be cleaned up. And I think that was probably causing Jesus uh, you know, issues. So I think that from what the talk is now, it's like a five to six week layoff. So what's your thoughts now? Sure. That's a big layoff already for the start of the season. I think, you know, last season he, when he came back, it's almost like the team seemed disjointed and he, he, it's almost like he got left behind a bit. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit worrying because, you know, you know my thoughts didn't get here and maybe I'm being too tough on him, but I don't think if you want to compete, that and Ketia is going to be the answer, you know, unless they try to toss out false nine again or Avats mm. on top. But I do think that we need to maybe look for a potential striker as well. That you know, because you can't rely on Asus maybe to be fit for all this for all season where you, know, you might need someone to share the load with him. And you know, do you trust Ketia to, to play? You know, against uh, Atletico Madrid or against the Real Madrid to to kind of score a brace for you. Yeah. I mean, look, my thoughts was just all along, like, 
Look, we already sources of expenditure that Arsenal have done now already. Like it's already like you know the two hundred million mark. And I'm just wondering, like, uh, look, we all know for a fact that that Arsenal are probably going to go really, really big next summer on a on a striker. But as as you said now, like you, you know, we should actually be looking at now a sort of forward that has it potential that's not going to like you know say break the bank, but has it potential that they could carry that sort of weight load that can. Even you know, nudge himself or nudge his nose ahead of, of someone like Nketiah. Where Nketiah is almost like waiting in the wings as a, as a uh, uh, you know, almost like to, to share the workload, as you know, said, looking for somebody like that. Because yes, Trossard can do the things, but I mean, you saw the sort of issues that Trossard causes when he comes out on, on one of the wings and he starts driving at teams. They don't know how to handle him, they don't know when to tackle him. And that. so that is almost like how. You know, uh, ace in the in the hole type of thing, or in the in the uh, pocket. So I just think to myself, what do you think of Elegant in that role, the shield and get here, or do you think it's, it's not cut out for that? I mean, if, if there was any future for Balogun, I think he would have been some sort of part in the last two preseason games. Was I think that the, everybody's mind is already set up because look, Arsenal already have a, a number in mind uh, financially for for. Um, Balogun to leave. Balogun in his mind also knows what exactly he wants. And I don't think he wants to be, a, a, you know, almost like an alternate striker. He wants to actually lead the line. So I think that is where, you know, the sort of difference be, of, of of mindset between striker and manager and manager and striker. That is, you know, almost like the, the kind of tipping point there. So I think also rather than, you know, claim that money. But I mean, I, I, I told you already start of the season or in the off season, I would have actually gone... Rather, like you say, let someone like Nketiah go, but then you need someone like with Balogun with that sort of reputation he's come back with from his pre-season experience. He's now, not pre-season, he's his league, full league season in, in France with that sort of goals that he was, uh, you know, putting in. That's the sort of mindset you should have had now, you know, leading the line. Someone that's hungry, that wants to perform and would probably really take advantage of, of Jesus being out. Because yeah. he, he does put his body about and... Yeah, it's like, you know, a shot on him. He knows how to also power his headers and it. I just think sometimes like when he played in that, that odd few games was in preseason, sometimes the moment also did get a bit too big for him where, you know, he kind of got overexcited and, and you know, kind of fluffed his chances. And... I think with him, it's a case of trying to, like, he hasn't really played with his Arsenal side. I mean, you know, he hasn't training, and, and but he hasn't, like, you know, and Kitty had a run in his Arsenal side, you know, and we were probably frustrated with Nketiah before we celebrated a lot of his goals. I mean, you know, he, he, it didn't happen overnight. And I think maybe Balogun, if you had to maybe, you know, my take on this is, you know, Jesus is going to be out for, what, six weeks. You have Champions League, League Cup, this, that, the other competitions. Maybe give Balogun until, um, until, what's this, until, until January. Maybe try and see how it works out, sharing the load with him with Nketiah, and you know, maybe if it doesn't work out by January and then, you know, you kind of can let him go, because unless we plan on signing another striker, um, which we which probably might be wishful thinking, yeah. um, I mean, you know, we, we with his talks of us spending 40 mil on a, on a keeper, is that necessary? If, um, you know, you can sell Balogun for 35 and you have then you then have 75 to play with. You know, isn't there someone that you could ideally sign or so? I mean, look, you know, one guy that, that actually caught my eye a while back, but I mean, it's not like based on, like, say, what I was seeing or thinking of. 
But somebody that, that, that my son was talking about a while back, and he was telling me, you know, that, that Gonzalo uh, Ramos of Benfica, yes. he's like, what, 22 years old. And I mean, like, uh, in, in last season, he played, what, 30 matches and scored 19 goals. And, <coughs> excuse me, and that's the type of player that he actually would want, because, I mean, imagine you mold him into, like, he already has, like, say, that skill of, as a finisher, and now you still have people, like, say, Odegaard around him, um, uh, say Declan Rice, you got Martinelli on the wing, Saka on the other wing. I mean, you, you know, you're feeding somebody like well, that, that sort of capabilities. That's the type of player we should be looking for, if you think of it. I mean, from from what I heard, I mean, you, you probably will be on the move anyway now in this uh, summer window already. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm 100% spot on with that. And I think we need someone for the future that can, you know, like I said, I always use City as an example of how they, if you look at that squad, um, you know, I don't know how Pep does it, where he keeps, like, you know, a guy like Julian Alvarez happy, Haaland happy, De Bruyne happy. He, he just keeps his squad happy, even though not everybody's playing every week. And he just manages them very well, you know, where you will even have Haaland and Alvarez starting together sometimes in the in, in Chelsea formation like that. So, you know, that is where we need, where players know that they will get the opportunity regularly if they perform. And, you know, Arteta needs to do that because I just seem sometimes that Arteta is, no matter how good you play, next week you'll be out for Zinchenko or, you know, Gabi Jesus will come in for you, no matter if you scored a hat-trick last week. Yeah, I think that's the mindset has to change. I mean, it, you can't just always go on like say what your heart is telling you because I still think to myself, sometimes there's other people that they have as much to offer, if not more, but, I mean, if you've got your favourites in already, that, I mean, it does make issues difficult. And, I mean, you, eventually you're going to just bring, prob- bring problems on, on yourself if you now have your favourites and they're the ones that start to let you down in certain uh, matches. Exactly. Because people always um, look at that, you know, I know you will hop on it, I'll hop on it. Let's say Jenko messes up and he's back in the squad next week and he, he kind of throws off on the bus again. You kind of get quite annoyed by it and you look at Arteta and only for so long can you allow, you know, you will get you look past it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I just had a quick look also, but I mean, the, the Gonzalo Ramos, he's already, you can say just about one foot already at PSG. Now look how quick, oh. now you see, that is the thing that's so frustrating because if you think of this sort of firepower really now, you still add something like him into, into the mix. I mean, I know there's a whole lot of drama over Mbappe at the moment there, but I mean, you think to yourself, I mean, what, like, you'd rather go to a club, say like Arsenal, where you have to, you know, grind yourself, but now you're going to a, a club and a league where you're probably going to canter to the title again with ease. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's almost the same almost as, you know, you, you won the league quite easily at, at, in Portugal with Benfica, but I mean, you know, the French League, no disrespect to it, but I think a lot of people will lose interest if, you know, the likes of Mbappe, Neymar, even Messi leaves that league. I think there was a few stars that was there that kind of kept your eye on it, but I don't think PSG will be the same, you know, should like Mbappe leave and, you know, Neymar decide, you know, also it might be a, a better option for him. Yeah, but I mean, look, they also don't get along either, so... Because there's a lot of soap opera, soap opera drama at PSG as well in the background. Um, then the next topic of discussion, 
the current goalkeeper situation, which is like seeing now, I was like just blew up in a matter of like 14 days uh, with the old uh, Ramsdale versus David Raya because there's already talk that that um, Nottingham Forest have now put a bid in for uh, Matt Turner for 15 million because they like to them now the, the news has now also come as uh, like he's uh, Matt Turner will be available if David Raya comes in and the other talk that quite a few journalists have now brought up already was that David Raya already has agreed to terms of with Arsenal, like with salary and, and, and contract length. And now it's just down to Brentford to say whether, you know, he stays or goes, if they get the, you know, the right sort of fee. That's a, it's a very peculiar signing. You know, not, yeah. I wouldn't say peculiar. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm against it. Um, but, you know, where does this leave Rams? I know we, you say you want to have, obviously, two um, top quality keepers, but you know, will two top quality keepers want to share the limelight like that? Because, you know, they probably both in their minds believe they're number one. And I think yeah, you yeah. know, Ramsdale, Ramsdale has been kind of a good servant for us. I mean, I've really come to, to like him. And maybe I'm speaking from emotions, but yeah. now maybe want him to, to, to still be the, the number one. But, you know, what What do you think is the thinking behind that part? It, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure I mean, keeper wouldn't want to be one Europe and one in the Premier League. I mean, what I picked up, and I'm sure many fans also maybe picked it up. Look, if you think the first six months of the season, watching Ramsdale or this distribution, that was fantastic to watch. Like, he was picking people out with his passes. Like, you know, distribution was like second to none at that point. And then we got to, after the World Cup stage, and we were now in the, you know, with the title running and that, all of a sudden his kicking was going from normal to coinciding to touch. Then he was doing things where he was like kicking the ball straight to the opponent, where sometimes we were punished, sometimes we were very close to be punished. And I, I like, my thing is, and I mean, I've heard a uh, kind of blog also talk about it. It's like, I just think he, like, he's not being pushed. Like, only like he knows that, that, I mean, maybe complacency has set in, but it's like he knows even if he makes a, a blunder, Matt Turner's is not going to just be thrown in by Teta. Whereas yeah. now, if you're going to have somebody like David Raya, who's, you know, not only number one for Brentford, but I mean, he's chomping at the bit to be <coughs> Spanish number one. Because I mean, that the goalkeeper, goalkeeping situation is also an issue at the moment there with, with you know, David Agueira's career in the limbo and, and, um, that, that, that the other one of Bilbao, that goalkeeper, there, I can't get his name right now, but he's also made. Yeah, Simon. You know, Simon, yeah. He's also made a lot of high profile um, errors. So I think that, you know, the door's open to be number one there for Spain. And I just think to myself, maybe that is also the thinking where Ramsdale has to be that more accurate now with, with distribution and, and, you know, that he gets a bit too lax with, with certain situations where he must be more focused. And you must remember. Ramsdale and Arsenal's goalkeeper coach, Inaki Kana, I think his name is. He used to be, um, he's actually the one that, that mentored um, David Raya when he was at Blackburn Rovers, took him with him to Brentford. And by the time he, that, that, uh, the Inaki left uh, Brentford to go to Arsenal as goalkeeper coach, he actually wanted, that uh, Raya was actually the first choice that they wanted to, he to bring over and Brentford like, just stalled everything there. So Arsenal already knew that they also need to go for Ramsdale. So it, it, it can play in the, you know, different ways, this whole story. But I just think to myself, uh, that my 
the, the, of course, one part of me is like, you know, thinking it would be good to have Kaulis like that. But on the other end, you're also thinking this is probably going to ruin one of these guys' careers long term. Because yeah. if you think, look, Ramsdell is vying for, for a Pickford spot as England goalkeeper. And then you've got, as I said, as I explained now, the Raya situation with Spain. And I mean, Ramsdell signed a new contract, wasn't it, last season? In, in the in the, uh, in the midst of everything. Yeah. So it's quite it's quite I don't know what's Arteta thinking like Arteta said this point for me kind of as a, you know I don't know what's going through his mind if, if I had to be playing you know poker against him now you know I wouldn't know you know how to lead him because is there something that you know like you said to put pressure on Ramsdale or does he wanted them to like share the workload because you know come the end of the season. You know, we could play up to, what, 60 games? So, close yeah. to 55. I mean, but, you know, keepers, as a goalkeeper, I mean, you, you speak, you listen to all the ex-professionals. You know, they want to be able to play almost every game possible. So, like you said, one keeper could, I mean, it would be, I don't know, a failure. I mean, if, if, like, you know, the Raya stays for one season, we spend 40 million and he leaves for 25 million the next season. Or... You know, Ramsdale after you know decided uh, after the season, you know, I, I've had it. Uh, I'm not going to take part of this anymore. I mean, I'm just like looking say, at that, that situation of both of these keepers because looks as they're both high caliber keepers and and they you know they're, they're good and known for their their, their footwork and that. I'm just wondering if it's going to come down to that way. Um, you know, when you get to the say, Champions League, we can look. It's almost like really unheard of, and this is late in the Champions League group phase. You know, when you're now bringing your second keeper, but I just wonder if, since uh, say Arteta thinks very highly of both, where Ramsdale's maybe just kept as Premier League keeper, but then Raya is giving you that option again, also of of strong with the feet, strong with the distribution, and he's given a sort of uh, Champions League group phase. In, and judge basically. Similar to, to, to Testa again and Claudio Bravo, if you remember. You know, the one played solely La Liga and the other one played Champions League. And I think there was another club that did something similar. I think it was Mourinho, I think, we we had the Lopez guy and Casillas, you know, one in one competition and one in the other competition. But we'll, uh, it's a matter of time, you know, to just see where and what um, what it is thinking is behind all of this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, to get behind that would be also very interesting. Um, now we move our attention now finally to um, Arsenal Man City on uh, Sunday, the Community Shield. Um, I mean, look, only players out for Arsenal is Zinchenko, Jesus and Nelson, where City have almost like all players available for this fixture. And I mean, up to now, like pre-season, City got two wins, one loss. Arsenal had two wins, two draws, and one loss. But I mean, it's going to be, I mean, interesting, uh, interesting scrap because like you know, two different sort of tactics. Um, look, I think City are like eight-zero on the black wins on the bounce against Arsenal. So I don't know. I just think we need a sort of showing that that can show that we are you know prepared not only for. A Premier League season, but to go toe to toe with Man City. So I mean, I'm you know fingers crossed, hoping for a, a very very strong performance against them. It's almost like a, a we've in what commas a, a we've arrived performance. You know where we go, like you said, toe to toe with City. You know whether we lose two one or two nil or 
you know, we, we take it to extra time or not extra time, penalties and we, we lose there as well. As long as you know you can go to head to head with City, you know, winning in 50-50s and, you know, kind of letting them sweat for the result and letting them know, you know, this game could have gone the other way if things went differently. As in, like, you know, a lot of our games against City, it's almost like you're bowling an FA Cup semi-final. It's almost like they just batter us and just have a mission and that's it. Look, um, this is what I was thinking actually last night about. I mean, it's like randomly, you know, popped in my head before I even made any sort of notes or pointers. I was just thinking, look, when, when, when I started supporting Arsenal, Liverpool was like the team to beat. And Arsenal were always falling short. And, and, and you know, something that was like, for more often than not, uh, they would have the upper end. And you'd actually wonder when, you know, when is going to be Alex at our time because we're always falling short. And then <clears throat> it came to, you know, almost like little things where Arsenal maybe sneaked in the, uh, like that League Cup game against Liverpool and stuff like that. And then it came to the Anfield thing. That is where, uh, and all of a sudden, you could see that sort of the, the shift in power slowly starting to happen because I think the season after that, then they kind of cleaned up clock also a few times. But then also, it wasn't like, uh, you know, a runaway sort of uh, victory. And then it was like, as we got now past that 90s phase and the Premier League uh, after 92 and that, when the Premier League came into play, then Arsenal started going even up to Anfield <clears throat> and winning in almost like on a regular basis. And then I almost like kind of knew this is almost like, the time for Arsenal, but then by that time you got Man United coming into the frame, yeah. and then they, they were almost like you know it was that, that sort of even scraps. United go that you know get their noses ahead, and then almost like when Wenger comes, all of a sudden we you know go toe to toe again with United and beat United on a on a regular basis. And I think <clears throat> this phase is gonna happen. Where I think we only gonna see uh, that's how, uh, what United said is. Not only very important, but it's key to also everything. Where once you can start, even if you're gonna lose in a, in a warm up game like that, but you're gonna push that, uh, like you know, where they even look broken at the end, that is when you know you're going on the right track, and that's the sort of performance I'm hoping for tomorrow. Yeah, 100%. Because this, even, even last season, when we were fighting City for the title, and I mean, you know, it was ours to win actually, or ours to lose, as I say, but. You know, after each game with City, you know, City players were still smiling, you know, walking yeah. like, um, you know, oh, this, was, this was, you know, just another day at the office. Like you said, they need to be looking like almost, you know, what is going on, like, you know, where they may win, but, you know, during the game, you look at them and you can see that worry in their eyes that, yeah. you know, what's going on, like, why, why aren't we, why isn't this an easy win? Because I just think the biggest must look, I'm not going to, uh, you know, lie about anything, because, look, Man City are, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a fantastic unit to watch. But I just think, uh, like, the one play they will miss a hell of a lot is Kundogan because the way yes. you went to make that, that that tactical fouls and that, and actually get away with it, that was always, like, for me, key always to whatever success they would have. Kundogan. I mean, I think it's a lot of people, you know, everybody, you know, bloat the, the, the ego, say, of, of Haaland or De Bruyne and that. But for me, <clears throat> Kundogan is not somebody who's going to you know, like one the highlights, name reels, and everything. Yeah. He just goes out and does his job. And I mean, he's doing the same thing now at Barcelona as well. I mean, he was a key the other day to them winning that El Clasico with ease when he was playing in that match. So I just think myself, that is where, if we can have a, a, one of our mids really set a marker in the midfield and dominate it, then it, it could bode well for us. Like, I mean, that's just I what think I, the rice will be important in a game like that, I think. Eh? 
Yeah. But I mean, it's going to come down to his fitness as well, because as I said, between that uh, Monaco game and, and Sunday, I don't know if he's going to, you know, be able to jack up his, his conditioning in that little time. But I mean, that's being said. That, so. Yeah, that's what we're actually looking for. So, I mean, I, that's all I have really. Do you have anything else to say before we round up? No, no, no. no. I, I just think if Arsenal can beat City, I think you'd have bragging rights in your home for, you know, until, you know, either beat City or Barcelona again. But I think you can, uh, I, I'm old to hate up high in your Arsenal after if we can manage to you know, pick a victory up and uh, hopefully pick up some silver. We are still always confused, you know, does this trophy count as, you know, at the end of the season, should we win nothing else but this? Does this count as a trophy? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think it, it, it's a bit of like, you know, extra sides to your stake, yeah. But I mean, you <laughs> wanted, you wanted T-bone, you wanted Ramstick to, to, to be the be-all to end, uh, you know, to end all. But yeah. then, you know, hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Take care, guys, and come on, you gunners. Come on, you guys. Let's uh, pick up that first trophy for the season. <laughs>